Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Are we ready? No, I don't want to do this, Chloe. You, you have to do I it. I don't want to We've do it. we committed to it. We took literally half an hour of pre-pod prep. <laughs> We've it made a blood oath. Literally. So... Instead of our normal intro, we thought we'd spice things up a bit because it's our festive ep. Uh, when we asked listeners for some of their top moments, a pain A15 or a pain 15 said, when you guys start singing at the, at the start of every episode. <coughs> so you asked, we answered. Santa baby to slip a Tyler under the tree for me. Been an awful good year, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa baby, a Mary Herb's jersey for me, light green. I'll wait up for you, Nike, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Think of all the games we've seen. Think Serena Vigman, our national queen. Next year we could be just as good if you check off our Christmas list. Woo! Man, we should do that every episode. Jeez. I thought it was going to be terrible. It was amazing. What a way to start. That Those was our harmonies. first time through, actually, was, believe it or not. That was the first. Oh, guys, that might surprise you because it was so good. Island Records, we will wait for your <clears throat> knock. It's Boxing Day. We are in the height of the WSL winter break, so we thought we'd drop in with a tasty little 2023 review that is going to warm your hearts and your feet, minds and souls. Uh, today, we're counting down our top five stories of 2023 and celebrating the biggest, the funniest, the most aggro-filled moments in women's football this year. This was tough. It was bloody hard. It's you know, been a big year. I found it really hard to find like big moments, but also like there was loads of little things mm. throughout the year and you're like, is that big enough to pull out? 
So it was hard. Is it bold enough for this app is what we wanted? And it's got to be bold. Okay, we can't just have like small, you know, little things like, yeah. you know, breaking a, a WSL attendance record <laughs> twice in a season. Like a new, a new company taking over the WSL. No, 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 minor. Um, right, let's get cracking then. We gonna, we're going to start with our number five, okay? We, we want to leave you hanging on till the very end of the episode. So our number five was Arsenal's Champions League run, which came to an end in... May in the Emirates. Uh, Arsenal made it to the semi-final of the Champions League despite having an absolutely threadbare squad. I mean, the chances of them, of them even making it that far were minimal. They were missing Williamson. They were missing Meads. They were missing uh, Miedemar. They And then that day... And Kim Little. And Kim Little, and sorry. And Williamson. I, I, I said Williamson. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, good. Oh, oh I was going to say, it would have been better to just say who was on the pitch than who was off. It was so bloody many of them All the four of them. And then that day... Laura mm. then picks up the ACL injury. So it just sort of went from bad to worse. But let's take it more positively because like that day for me was one of the most iconic and I think one of the best games even to date that I have ever been at. Yes. I I did some stuff with DAZN earlier on this season. Um, this season, Yes, the 2023-24 season. And one of the questions was, what is the best Champions League moment you've experienced? And I think it was that. Mm-hmm. 60,000 at the Emirates. The match was so exciting. The atmosphere was so fun. Um, I mean, crap in terms of English football that Arsenal got knocked out ultimately. But like the clash between Wolfsburg and Arsenal was, it was just so exciting. I can still like feel it now sitting pitch side, you know, the goals, the way the comeback, then Jen Beatty. Like there was just so many moments where you're just like, (gasps) that should be bonce of the year to be fair. That should be taking bonce of the year. That was incredible. Um, But yeah, I've got to agree, it was the atmosphere of it that really heightened the day. It was the sun, like the sun was setting because it was sort of like an afternoon Got a beautiful photo with that, Chloe, I did. The the crowd and then obviously it it came up with um, 60,000 plus people but the lead up to the game, the kind of, all like the steel pans, the drums were going, there was fans everywhere. It was such a vibe and it was such a tasty little game. Um, yeah, I mean, Arsenal obviously conceded in the 119th minute after an error from lifelong Arsenal fan Lotta Vuben. Vuben? V- Vuben? Vuben, my. Lotta Vuben, my. Lotta Vuben, my. Um, yeah, I mean, and that was, I think that was quite heartbreaking at the end that the entire Champions League campa- campaign, they'd come so far and then to be undone at the very last minute by a silly error um, and you saw how devastated she was after that game Like, but it was so lovely to see everyone rally around her she'd had an incredible game that was the worst thing about it Like, she'd... and these things happen like those little moments absolutely it could mean nothing in the 34th minute or whatever you know it just it happened when it happened right at the death 119th minute Ooh. oh yeah it was an absolute sucker punch but I mean moments before that goal Katie McCabe has skimmed the crossbar with her cross I mean that's kind of how close they were, but like, do you ever sort of think about what would have happened had that goal gone in or yeah. had Arsenal progressed into the final mm. with Barcelona? They would have got beaten, yeah. <laughs> There'd have been about three of them on the pitch, probably. Okay, behave. Jonas would probably go on there. I don't think, when you look at how that final then eventually happened and took play, I mean, I actually, I'm quite grateful that actually it was a barcelona Wolfsburg matchup because that game in itself, the final, was Epic. bloody tasty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the like, Wolfsburg scoring those two goals, completely stunning Barcelona and everyone was like, oh what? my God, is this the absolute takedown of the century? And then obviously Barcelona pulled their socks up, had a word with themselves at halftime and then came into the second half and completely destroyed them. But and I'm, I'm right in thinking though, had Wolfsburg won that, Chelsea would have had to qualify go through a qualifier to get into the Champions League group stages this time around. 
Oh. Yeah, I think, if I'm right in thinking, um, so <laughs> there probably was another element of, yay, Barcelona won um, for them. Well, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm glad it panned out the way that it did, but it does, it does, I think because of what's happened to Arsenal this season now, there's just such a stark contrast and like that being our kind of highlight of the season. Mm. And then you literally come back like, what, three months later and Arsenal were taken down by little old Paris FC. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that, that threw me. Yeah. God, I forgot that happened. And um, another standout highlight Go of on. that day. Go on. Um, and I think what made it better was that we had Jen B, Jenny Beatty, Come into the studio. Fresh from surviving a, a mild plane crash. Well, it wasn't a plane crash. The plane just went on fire. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. No, seriously. Um, we actually had Jen Beatty in studio to tell us about this moment when she scored and then absolutely flattened Alex Pop. Sorry to any Pop fans listening, but Pop Defo dropped a shoulder as you were coming towards her. There, it, it, oh, it, and she just... Bounced right off you. Oh, like. In all honesty, right? Head of the ball went in, turned round. All I remember is just bumping into someone. Like I don't I couldn't have told you if like if it was an Arsenal player or a Bullsport player, I just remember it really hurting. <laughs> but then i I was so buzzing that we'd just scored and we'd leveled it. Out of all the people you could have bumped into, I mean you're you're lucky your shoulder isn't dislocated. I mean it's it's no, and it I, was I very sore for a long time. This is now Have you seen it since? The clip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> And this hasn't preceded the fact that you now do boxing. That's yeah, all. No. Completely that's unrelated. <laughs> right. You need some better defence now. Although yeah. I think you were fine. It may have hurt afterwards, but it didn't look like it. Oh, it was not. Honestly, I was, it was so sore. It, that's not, I'm <laughs> telling you, there was a shoulder drop. There was definitely like... <laughs> Shady from yeah. Pop. Shady. <laughs> okay. Number four. Can I get a drum roll, please, Rach? Put your tea down. Oh, man. Come on. Oh, sorry. You're better than this. The 2022-23 title race of the year. Of the year. I mean, it's the, the year. only. One. Yeah, it's the only year. 2023. Mm. Um, drum roll. You kind of failed on that. that was oh, a bit thanks awful. for that, Rage. Just five years on from when they were re-established, Manchester United took Chelsea to the final day in what I think was probably Emma Hayes' hardest won WSL title. For me, that was the first year that I had seen Man United come into their own. Like the progression from them coming to the Champions consolidating that you know working themselves up and up the table and then all of a sudden we were at that moment we were like Christ someone might be dethroning decrowning Chelsea they might not be getting that fourth successive title I mean amazing that is exactly what you want you want people competing and making sure that this is not just like it's one horse let's go back to that analogy Christ. let's go back actually I'm surprised that hasn't made one of the moments of the year the horse race the horse analogy yeah the horse race and the cliff that, yeah, the cliff edge, the hurdles, mm. um, people falling down. Yeah, I that mean, was such a detailed, like, and it unnecessary and as it well. Ca- mm, I, um, I disagree. Mm. I, it carried over for multiple episodes as well, which I think made it even more special. And we kind of built on it every. Anyway, we've gone off topic. Yeah, topic slightly. You're right. It was no longer a one horse race. Um, although Manchester United could not get over the final hurdle of beating Chelsea. Um, so, oh, the eye roll! Whoa, God, your your eyes nearly went into the back of your head there. I was going to bring up another good thing. Go the, the Sam Kerr goal in that match. Yes. Yes, yes, like, yes. It was peak Sam Kerr. Like, peak moment. You know, pressure. Everything. All of that stuff that she thrives on. She's like, I'm not going to just do like any old goal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do basically like the goal of the season. Okay. Oh, no. um, I'm bored. Let's get, let's get back to talking about Man United. 
Okay. <laughs> okay, because they... I'm actually surprised that you have managed to wedge in like just one whole point for Man United. Uh, well, it's coming, but it's more Earps related. It's just not. Just a hint. It's, it's not. Um, right, so they did the double over Arsenal and beat Man City. I know this was technically 2022, but can we talk about when they beat Arsenal in that 3-2 thriller? Because that was also one of my absolute favourite games. Yeah. The Russo last minute goal to get that win, I thought was... She loves scoring at the Emirates. It's her thing for either t- for anyone. She just at the end. It doesn't matter. Yeah, whoever it is doesn't care. West Ham, Villa, whatever. Who, who cares? Cool. It was just that was a, that was a moment of beauty for me. I think that was at that time. I thought, you know what? I think they're going to do it. They're taking down Titans consistently. They're getting these points. They're on track for for big things. They're on track for their first European football this season. Next seat, like it was going into next season. Yeah, they, I, I also love now that like. Like, cast your mind back to, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, only a few weeks, but um, Arsenal-Chelsea at the Emirates. And that used to be, like, the big Titan clash, whatever. Then, like, we have this amazing matchup between Chelsea-Man City. And now that fixture always delivers something so exciting. Mm. Manchester United-Arsenal, that is now another fixture that delivers every time. It's always such a tasty, tasty fixture. And I love that now because it just means you're getting so many of these big clashes where you're almost guaranteed an exciting match and and it's it's come into this season now as well and we're seeing that carry over and we're seeing great draws between United and mm-hmm. Arsenal and ridiculous matches between Man City and Chelsea an absolute like bonkers match at the Emirates between Arsenal and Chelsea like it's so exciting and I love it and I love that Manchester United are in there now and they're like hang on like when you come and play us it's going to be a bloody exciting match as well they've entered the exclusive club <laughs> yeah that exciting exclusive club up top. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the, the, the most amazing things for me is seeing that kind of transformation. And I think even more so seeing more transformation this season, obviously bringing in Mallard, bringing in, again, well, not getting rid of Russo, but Russo obviously leaving to go to Arsenal. I think that kind of partnership that you see up top with, you know, Golton, Paris, Toon, um, Mallard. And I, and I just think like, this is, this is going places. This is a real solid little partnership forming. But for me, I mean, you only have to look at like the game a few weeks ago against Spurs when they completely destroyed them. And you think that's the power they have now to take down these like mid-table teams with ease and, you know, not just take down, but like, you know, kill, shoot, destroy, aim. Yeah. So anyway, so this point was kind of about Chelsea uh, winning the league. Uh, who? Four, four in a row. No so way. who? Who? Who are you talking about? Um, but yeah, I mean, they obviously won it by two points last season, and it was—it's—it's uh, it's hard to know now, isn't it? Whether that could have been Emma Hayes. It's become, it's become almost more important because Emma Hayes is obviously leaving this year. That could be potentially her last WSL title under her reign. Because also, for much of the second half of the season, we were—and we touched on you know Arsenal's threadbare squad, but they were still in it. They were still in the hunt for much of the season, um, and Man City as well. Like you know, it was the last moment that. Arsenal took that Champions League spot. So, like, it was a good kind of four-team, arguably, title race. Um, it, Man, City, Man City went 14 games unbeaten. That was wild. Yeah, and then Arsenal overcame them and beat them. Remember that Katie McCabe ridiculous strike? Oh, my God. Yeah. What a rocket. Yeah, uh, that was that was a crazy game. So, there were so many, like, little games. You know, you got that that Chelsea United one earlier on. Then you have the, the Man City-Arsenal one. And everything just, like, the pendulum just kept swinging. I think... Chelsea managed to keep their noses in front mm-hmm. the whole time, but my God, did they have people snapping at their heels for most of the season. Love that. Hold up. 
quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Right, drum roll, please. Again? Yeah, go on. Number three, England's first World Cup final and also us two working a major international tournament for the first time, a major, well, a major international tournament abroad Mm. for the first time in, where else? Australia. Australia. Only three billion miles away. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was... I didn't know what to expect going into this tournament. Obviously, the Euros as a home tournament feels like a, a completely different beast. And a like, nice way to like dip our toe into that. Well, not dip our toe. We did the whole tournament. But a, for a first tournament, it was nice to do a home tournament. Like where we live. Absolutely. We could go home every other day when the, the, the games allowed it. We had like, time to sleep. We did sometimes. Um, the time zones were nice. Yeah. England won it. Uh, we got to do our final ep under the arches. But this was pretty special because it's such an adventure when you pack up and you go to a major tournament for the whole tournament and it's literally the other side of the world there's no popping back for a couple of days or anything like that you are gone and you were there for the whole thing and then it's obviously topped off by the fact that England went all the way to the final so you know obviously we were going to be going to the matches anyway but to have that kind of investment the whole way through right the way through to the final um, was pretty special. But yeah, as you say, it was probably one of the most intense work experiences of my life. Yes. I think the time difference played such a massive part because more often than not, you and I were getting home from matches around midnight and we'd have a podcast to record. Um, you know, so you'd ha- you'd factor that in. Sophie would be writing articles or people be asking for stuff until about kind of two o'clock in the morning. And then you get up the next morning and Morning, four games in the Australian time, and you're you're going again. Um, so it was intense, and it's mad to think that we only did one episode actually together. That is wild. 
But what an episode it was. I mean, that final episode when the doors kept swinging shut. And... <laughs> I was getting so annoyed. If I had any energy, I would have gone after that guy. I, I could see it in your eyes. By this point, we were both feral. I was just saying to Rachel up before the pod started, I think I smelt quite badly by the end of it, like personal hygiene. <laughs> Probably that. just as well we didn't do them together. Gone out the window. I think I was sort of mentally exhausted. I think we both crawled into that arena, just obviously wanting England to win, not getting that result. And then obviously everything that happened with, with Spain sort of you know cast a bit of a shadow over things. But it was. I mean, even from me, because obviously I was working it as, you know, my first major international tournament as the women's football editor for the Athletic. So I think from a personal perspective, from a career perspective, it was massive to be able to like, even like the small things like finding where your accreditation is, like just things I've never had to do. Like, mm. you know, figuring out how like how to sort of navigate logistics around like the press box and like, but in a completely different country. Like, At least I spoke English. Yeah, that was that was helpful. That does help. But yeah, the time zones were absolutely crazy. And by the end of it, there was a couple of episodes where we'd just gone absolutely delirious. Well, we'd like we were a couple of beers in. Yeah, we'd introduced wine into our episodes and we'd yeah. kind of discuss what we With were success, what we were I'd drinking. Mm. Yeah, and uh, what we were trying, what we liked, uh, what was getting us through ultimately. Um, yeah, there were some definite ups and downs. I think. What would you say is your biggest up? Like, what was your biggest highlight of the tournament? Personally. I mean, we will get to this because we are going to talk about this in, in one of the points. It's going to be Ireland. So I'll pause that. I'll park that for that moment because that's obviously special. Um, I thought the Australia-England game was so exciting. Mm-hmm. There was also before the England-Columbia game, we were at the pub next door watching Australia-France and we were staying as long as we could before we had to go into the stadium and we kind of hadn't really realised, but we'd stopped partway through the first half and realised that the whole concourse around the pub was just full of people. There was a big kind of park next to the pub as well that had a big screen. There were thousands of people in that park. It was just a sea of people watching this match. And then we'd kind of battle our way through to get into the stadium. We all wanted to get out and get ready and go pitch side and get your spot or whatever. But we couldn't leave because we had one of the longest penalty shootouts in the world taking yep. place. We were on the pre- in the press room watching it on the screens and everyone's like trying to get ready but also like wanting to watch it. And when Australia scored that final penalty, the kind of reaction in the press room, there was relief that finally the game was over. But also that the hosts had stayed in. Yes. And I think that was really special because people were like, you could see how much the country had gotten behind Australia and you wanted that for them. Absolutely. You couldn't walk anywhere without an Australian person wearing like full Australia women's fit gear. Every, where I went, every beanie, coffee shop, supermarkets, all ages. It was immersive. People were talking about it. Yeah. That was beautiful to see the city, like really, um, see the country completely come behind the tournament like that. I mean, Australia hasn't been known obviously for its women's football. It's not sort of like a massive thing that's in there, been in their kind of visual periphery. And now off the back of that, obviously there's been so many things that have been created off the back of that legacy, but it was so, it was a beautiful country to watch those games. Yeah. And the crowds really impressed me. There were multiple games, games that, you know, didn't have the hosts in it. Games that, you know, I wasn't hugely invested in either team. Not that that has an impact on the crowd, but I just remember sitting there and being like, this is incredible. There's 40, the stadium's pretty much full. 40,000 here to see France, Brazil or whatever it was, Colombia, Brazil. Like the, the crowds came out so hard for this tournament and stayed. And it just, that was so impressive. To me. There were super diverse crowds as well. Mm. Like, do you remember the England-China game? And literally, I would say about 80% of the, st- of the stadium was Chinese fans. Yeah. And the build-up to the game, they had like the Chinese dragons going, they had the music, they had all these stands, these stalls, these performers like going on. It was like it was like Chinatown in London. It was like that kind of immersive experience. And I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting there to be that many 
Chinese fans packed into that stadium, but the atmosphere that they brought was unreal, despite obviously, you know, what then happened. Well, the game was actually one of my lowlights, I think, in the in the tournament. That game, it kicked off half an hour later than every other game because Adelaide was like a half an hour later time zone or something well. ridiculous. So it kicked off at 8.30. <clears throat> what a difference that made. First of all, the stadium arguably was too small for the game. Yep. Um, it was really difficult access-wise as a photographer. Um. But then getting back and having to do the pod, I remember mm. you weren't well either that night. You were oh, really struggling. Yeah. yeah. And we got home really late to do this podcast. I'd ordered food from Deliveroo. Oh, that was we that was a bad night. That was a bad that night. Was a bad night. <laughs> I'd ordered food from Deliveroo and I was watching it get further and further away from my hotel. And I was like, where is my food gone? I'd gotten so excited. I messaged self and I was like, I've got found something really nice. And then it turned out there were two streets in Adelaide with the same name. So my food was driving away from me. And then I was having some radio station in England calling me, asking me to come on in a few hours. Now, bear in mind, it was already like half past 12. And I was like, hang on. What do you mean a few hours time? He's like, three or four hours. And I was like, no, like it's midnight here. We did do that. Sophie came in tearing her hair out. She had like another article to write a podcast to do in a meeting to have. And by the time our podcast wrapped, I was like, I'm going on the hunt for Mackey's and I found his chicken nuggets and I was just one of those nights we got into bed at half three and we were like, we have tomorrow off and I'm so excited. The worst thing is that was so early on in the tournament. Yeah, that was a we group were so stage. naive. <laughs> Tell you what though, the next day I had a lovely brunch and then I went to an urban winery in Adelaide. Oh, I remember you saying. It was a beautiful experience. I didn't get an invite. I'm normally third wheel. I normally am invited to those occasions, mm. but I understand and appreciate, you know, you, you wanting some... Chloe had a migraine. I thought she deserved the rest. Oh my God, I, I felt sick as... I, I felt sick as fuck. I obviously don't know. I need to look back over that episode and see what was said. I think I made sense, but it's hard to say. And also Adelaide was one of, it was a slightly more unusual city because I don't think there was a kind of vibe and buzz like Brisbane. And, it was kind of a country vibe to it. Yeah, it was a bit sort of country bumpkin type type thing. But the food there was amazing, actually. I did find some nice like sushi. Um, I, but I, I stayed most it. of the time in the in the hotel. Mm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, let's get back then. I know you've got a very important moment to discuss. Go on. Favourite moment of the World Cup. Where are you going to go, Rach? This isn't my favourite moment. Um, it's just an unusual moment that I think I probably will stick with me. Um, and I think a lot of our listeners seem to really enjoy. Mm. Really random thing. I did a bit of work with Emma Hayes the other night. And Get you, just name drop. Basically, name dropping Emma Hayes, go on. Hands me a bag of Murray mints and goes, can you get these to Lauren James for me? And I was like, um... Yes, but yes, I don't know. You probably fucking have more hell, but I feel like you would probably. I was like, okay. So I went home. She also very kindly gave me some Vegemite. Did you want that? Uh, no, and she gave me a hoodie. So I was like, cool, yeah, right. I'll have that. Random um, red gifts. Very nice lady, as we all know, absolute legend. Uh, and I had to go into the England Hotel with a little bag of Murray mints. I put them in another bag and go up to the reception and go, I'm so sorry, this is really weird, but um, please may I leave these uh, gifts from home from Chelsea manager Emma Hayes um, to go to Lauren James, please. Uh, and I'm so sorry, that's really weird. And the guy was like, oh yeah, it's totally fine, no problem. Like it was an absolutely normal thing to do. So I really hope. Lauren James got her merriments. I think that just goes to show how welcoming Australia has been because in any other any other country they'd have been like that would have been gone in like the terrorist disposal unit like that just would have been like no you're absolutely not bringing your weird little mints into this hotel I said to him I've got someone messaging her to tell her that they're here so like she knows that it's happening I, remember, I was walking in I said to self I was like this is the most random thing I've done this whole tournament it could have poisoned the whole bloody squad <laughs> no I would have batted an eyelid that moment stands in my, out in my head I can still see myself standing on the side of the road in Sydney with Soph 
we'd had a number of different things to do that day and I was like, I have to get these mints to Lauren James. And I distinctly remember stopping and saying, this is definitely one of the weirdest things that has happened this tournament and it's going to stay with me. I just found the whole thing so bizarre that you could just you could literally just go and give a bag of sweets to Lauren James and no one checks that. I just think that is... I'm sure they looked in it, but like it's an open hotel to the public. The members of the public were staying in the hotel. So yeah, it was an, an odd one. And it transpired that she did in fact get yeah, her mints. Mm. Okay, well we haven't done your favourite England moment of the tournament. Come on. Well, I've got to say it was literally the second or third day that I'd arrived in um, Brisbane at the time and like obviously I didn't know my my arse from my elbow arrived in that city like I jet lag all over the shop and we go to this incredible press conferency thing like we get this time with Mary Earps and we're sitting around in this circle obviously it's Mary Earps related literally sitting around like a little circle table like this and like all the journalists are there and like Mary Earps come in and we're expecting her to like give us a few lines about you know like what the bonus situations at the time like where are the discussions got all media trained oh yeah basically that we were expecting that and then what happened next like like, jaws hit the floor. It was Mary Earps obviously going into the whole situation around how she tried to get her goalkeeper shirt on sale and Nike had basically said, no. Um, and then she'd said, oh, like, you know, I'd even it told Nike that I was going to, you know, pay for the shirts myself. Like, I've been having this battle for quite a long time. I don't understand. And the whole thing just unraveled from there. It, yeah, it was one of those, like, you're like, sitting there going, oh my God, we've got a story. Literally that. You I need sh- to get out of here and write the story. But the worst thing is you see like the England media guy like sitting next to Mary Earps go, oh no, that wasn't in the plan. It was just... You've like, just so, given me so much more work. But I think like when stories drop, obviously like things happen on Twitter, like you hear stories or whatever it is and like, you know, things happen like that. But like to be actually at the forefront as a first time editor in that tournament... And former goalkeeper. And with my absolute icon to then to hear her say that she is literally 10 feet away from me and she drops the absolute F-bomb of all F-bombs on Nike on one of the biggest global companies in the world. I was like, that for me, that will save me forever. And you know... We couldn't get enough. We just kept asking her yeah, questions. And like you you realise the kind of cultural impact that that moment had. Seismic. When you hear it in the intro of this uh, episode where we actually dropped it into our song. That's how big it was, Chloe. That's the kind of seismic shift. I mean, absolutely. And then when you look at the kind of shift that that, the impact that that has now had, like a few weeks ago, obviously the shirt then goes on sale. I think it was Monday the 10th. Is it the 10th? Um, go go on sale for the first time. The, the, but the weirdest thing about that whole situation is that they only go on sale in women's and kids' sizes. No men's. But the shirts are also sold out. So apparently, according to various five different... Minutes. Five minutes to 80 minutes. I don't... There's, there's, some, there's some disparity there. Either way, they were sold out bloody quickly. And that... And like when you go to games now and you see those little pops of colour, that, that pink and that green and stuff... Well, maybe not anymore for, for, for a long time because... <laughs> Of the Olympics, but it is amazing to now see that those pops of color, those little girls, boys wearing that that shirt, I think is absolutely unreal. So yeah, that that for me will stay forever, probably over the birth of my first child. Should I ever have one? God, okay, yep, yeah, Jesus, yep. It's an awkward thing to put into a podcast. Is it? <clears throat> I stand by it. Drum roll, please. Oh, Jesus, come on. You know your job. No, it's getting really lazy now. It's getting really lazy and lethargic. I'm hoping that Finn has recorded this and can just drop it in. Better from you. Better. Number two, World Cup of the Underdogs. Yeah, I mean, 
we all kind of planned, we predicted what might happen. We thought, you know, we were going to see the big teams progress into the, you know, the final stages. Everyone was kind of banking on the US kind of being in and around at least the semi-final, if not the final. Everyone kind of pinned their hopes as well on the likes of Germany, Brazil, Canada to go far. But there were the, the highlight of the tournament is seeing loads of beautiful underdogs like all these teams that we'd not really seen but you might not have seen maybe too much of the international football like South Korea like Jamaica coming into this tournament being sort of like you know all the issues that were going on with the federations Ireland for the first time and you think wow because they did absolute business and completely smashed all the predictions all the 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 planning the hard work and thought that have gone into like where some of these stories might go Morocco Haiti Panama like Colombia there's just so much it was so the tournament of the underdog wasn't it it was so good and you know you think you'd have the moment in the tournament where the big surprises happen and then another team would be like hold my beer we're going to pull off a shocker one of the biggest and best moments that stands out for me is when Morocco find out that they're going through to the oh, round of 16. Yeah. And I had made the stupid decision to take a train from Adelaide to Melbourne. Don't do that, by the way, it's guys. It's not a stupid decision. Getting out of Adelaide wasn't a stupid decision. No, but we, we were going to take this lovely scenic route. It was going to be a long 11-hour train, but we were like, we'll relax, we'll have Wi-Fi, we'll, you know, we'll do some work on the train, the views will be beautiful, be a lovely experience better for the environment all these flights are taken all of that right. yeah and we ended up uh, it was, it was delayed uh, for three hours while we were on the train and uh, we took over 14 hours and there were was no Wi-Fi and there was one plug um, so don't do that guys but that is not what I'm talking about we were on this train and what was left of our phone batteries and we had the two games on and then we had Morocco's game had finished and we were watching the Germany game and we'd gotten off the train at this stage. We were standing waiting for our luggage. And Sophie and I looked up and there was about eight people gathered around us on our phone watching the end of this match. And I, I had Morocco on mine and, and they were waiting to hear. And the game ends in Germany and then you watch the message filter through to the team. And just those scenes of joy and magic was Because they're all just, huddled around the phone. They're all huddled around someone's phone. It was incredible. Yeah. Someone comes in and goes we've done it, we're going through. The coach is in tears, the players dropped at their knees. It was such a highlight and it's one of those moments where you're like, that's what the World Cup is about. Um, and it still gives me shivers like thinking about it now. Well, there's another moment that I think gives you shivers as well. Go on, you're smiling. Go on. <laughs> when Ireland played Australia in the opening game. Well, 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 well. How was that for you, being there pitch side watching that? I um, I did shed a tear while they sang the anthem. Did you? I did. And I looked, there's another a couple of... Uh, photographers that I know from Ireland and Andy and I looked at each other during that moment and the two of us were misty-eyed. Um, not easy to take photos when you're trying not to cry, uh, <laughs> but it was very, yeah, very, very special. That will stay with me forever. I think also that Katie McCabe goal, the corner, it was just, it was a work of absolute art. That was their first goal, wasn't it? The yeah. first ever goal at a World Cup. Just an Olympic goal, no big deal. It, it was just the best thing I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were obviously like loads of other, I mean, we can talk all day pretty much about the underdogs. I mean, Nigeria boss England in the round of 16, but mm. obviously didn't progress. I mean, it could have gone either way. Yeah. And I don't think we would have been that put out if the Falcons had made it through. I mean, because- we'd be put out that England didn't play well. But we, yeah. you couldn't look at it and say they didn't hadn't deserved it. Absolutely not. I think probably on balance, Nigeria probably were the better team in that game. Um, and then Jamaica progressing to the knockouts after keeping out Brazil and ending the great martyrs. Uh, well, possibility and chance of getting another World Cup gold boot. Like you just think for someone that iconic, I think like it was such a horrible moment to kind of see her be that 
upset about, you know, the dream. But she was so, I think she spoke so beautifully after the tournament about, you know, the legacy that had been left, like where, you know, the game is going. But also there was a lovely moment between her and Bunny Shaw at the end where they're hugging and it's sort of like a, okay, well, this is where, you know, it's like a legends of the game. This one's kind of like on the Passing on the baton. It was that, like this one's on an absolute stellarise to, you know, fame and in like notoriety in the WSL. And this one's sort of ending her, you know, career on this. And it just, it was... And it was another, you know, and Jamaica's one of the teams that show this. And and the World Cup is, you know, the stage where we see all of these in, incredible teams and incredible women and all of their hard work coming off and, and doing incredible things on the pitch. And then you have teams like Jamaica and others doing all of this while fighting their federations, Absolutely. while not being given the resources that they deserve and, and need for a major tournament, which makes their performances so much more impressive because... You know, imagine what these teams could be doing with all of the, the resources and, and financial support that they need. Like to see them do that on on the world stage and to see so many teams, in spite of their federations, achieve was so special. Massively. Like this is a squad who had to crowdfund to get to the, the World Cup. And I say spe- I don't mean special like it's special that it happened. It's obviously terrible that it happened, but it's it's such an inspiration to watch these women like stand up and say you know, you're okay, right, you're not going to support us and we're still going to overachieve. It's just incredible what they did. 100%. And like, it was so nice to kind of like actually see the team on that stage. Um, like when you look at kind of the talent they've got, with Bunny Shaw, you've got Becky Spencer there, you've got Drew Spence, you've got all these incredible like names that you're so familiar with, like playing together and also beating federations, beating teams. Becky Spencer kept, went through to the, the the next round without conceding any goals. I mean, that in itself, I think she was one of the, I think it was two teams, two or three teams, I think went through to the the round of sixteen, having only having not conceded any goal. I think it was them in Japan. I think if that's right, I have to double check that. Um, yeah, but I just thought that that was absolutely iconic, and I think like, even the fan base as well. Like I think on of the the shirts, the vibe. Like I think like they really brought like this kind of like feel good fact. Like despite everything that gone on, there was a real good feel for like feel good factor around them. Their fans were brilliant. I went to see them uh, against France, and the fans were amazing. It was a real carnival outside. But then I went to see Jamaica, Colombia, mm. and the Colombian fans were unreal. Hold my beer. Oh wow! Like the face paint, the outfits, the songs, the music—they were incredible. That game was was so exciting as well. Um, so yeah, I was quite lucky to see them play a couple of times and and see a couple of teams I hadn't seen play before and see some of the special moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was was very very cool. Well, another team are obviously battling uh, with their federation. They've obviously had, you know, quite a few issues over the entire year, not just in the World Cup, but Spain. Um, And I think obviously off the back of what happened at the uh, World Cup final and now, you know, where we've got to, sort of FIFA only just released um, their reasonings behind the decisions for... uh, That was grim. That was a pretty grim read. And more stuff came out of it. It was that. And then it sort of brought in, you know, how we'd been acting with some of the England players as well. Well, it was really awkward because he was like, I didn't manhandle Alex Greenwood. I manhandled Laura Coombs. And you're like, that's not a defence, you Mm, idiot. He basically got the two of them mixed up and was basically saying, oh, she'd banged her head and she'd gotten stitches and I wanted to, you know, console her and tell her well done in the final. I was like, well, Laura Coombs didn't play. And it's absolutely fine to be inappropriate with Lucy Bond because she plays in our country. It was such a weird argument. It was like, if you're going to accuse me of something, get it right. It was this player. And you're like... (laughs) Did anyone read that defence before you put it out? How the hell did he get to that? Well, we all know how he got to that position. But yeah, I think, um, but that's been one of the most amazing things to see. I think that obviously has created this massive shift in, you know, the Spanish Federation, like the legacy that they're leaving now is 
amazing. So yeah, and massive shout out to, to Jenny Hermoso and the rest of the Spanish team for, you know, sticking to their guns, for, you know, having that solidarity with each other and for standing up and um, yeah, getting those bad bastards out, basically. Rachel, if you'd like to do the honours for the very, the rolling, very very final time this episode. Rolling my wrists nice. for number one. That is, that's exactly what I should have seen for the entire other four. Okay, well, I hadn't been given much warning about it, but here we go. Go on. Yes! Coming in at a fiery number one, it is our queen, Emma Hayes. Yeah, that was, um, she dropped a bomb. She dropped an absolute bomb in us in November, announcing that she was going to be leaving Chelsea at the end of the season after 11 beautiful years with the club. Um, we didn't... I thought we took it really well. What are you talking about? I don't think we took it well at all. Oh, let's have a listen. I wasn't expecting that news. Were you? It's like a divorce and they've taken the house and the kids and the dog. And left you with nothing. An old rented a hole in your shed. Heart. Yes. <laughs> a subway van. And the hamster. <laughs> okay, maybe we didn't take it that well. Do you think? No, that wasn't great. It was a dark day for women's football. It just felt like... Why? And it wasn't so much, okay, well, um, you know, Emma Hayes is leaving Chelsea, but there's a good chance that she might pop up at another club near us, you know, coming to a store near you, coming to a club near you soon. It was, you know, Emma Hayes is leaving the country. And then it almost makes you like, because we like Emma Hayes and you want, well, you know, we like Emma Hayes and we want, we want her to do we well. Best for her. I don't want to support the US. <laughs> We're going to have to be like, oh, we kind of want you to do well, but kind of sort of. It's, well, it just makes things really difficult now, doesn't it? Like, it does. Going into the World Cup in 2020. You put us in a difficult situation, Anna. Well, it's that, isn't it? Like, you want to support... By that time, it's going to be so interesting to see what the transformation that she can achieve is in those three years. I mean, if she if they've gone from being knocked out in the group stages to then going and potentially being either finalist, semi-finalist, or winning a World Cup under Emma Hayes, I mean, Emma Hayes is like, oh, do you know what? Like, yeah, the Champions League would have been cool this year. Like, we'll see how that goes down, but... I'd like a World Cup trophy now, please. <laughs> Do you know what I want? I want to see England take on the US in 2024 after the summer, right? When she's in post. That would be, that would sell out in seconds. Make it happen. Absolutely. That, I think that would sell out wherever it was. I mean, it already did well when they played last time. Yeah. November, October last year. Make it happen again. Do you know, like, seeing Emma Hayes on the sidelines for a US Women's National Team with game. With Serena Wiegmann. With Serena Wiegmann <laughs> and the Lionesses. Do you not feel like, you know, it's one of those like celebrity matchup games where they have like celebrity <laughs> managers who like come on and like for like soccer aid or whatever. It, w- it would feel like that because everyone, everyone is so iconic. Like, it's just, but we're now a month and a half on after the news. Do we feel like we've actually, you know, come full, like do we feel like we've actually just gotten used to that? Like we've settled into the a idea, bit. we've accepted it. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's now like, it kind of taint is the wrong word. What's the nice way of saying that? There's kind of an extra level now to almost every match and every fixture and every moment now because it's the last one for mm. Emma Hayes so um, it, it makes the rest of the season even more exciting I think um, I we finally I, just about got to a point where she's stopped being asked about it in press conferences because that was really annoying for a, while, for a while where you're like can we actually talk about the match you're about to play oh no we've got another question about the US job but it is also a very unusual time to drop that news like mid-season true, I true. Mean, yeah I mean so you kind of have to expect that yeah um, so yeah it Arguably one of the the biggest bits of news um, this season. Definitely one we had to uh, to put in there at number one because she will be missed. Um, she's obviously had a, an incredible, we touched on in previous episodes, incredible impact on the game here. And she'll no doubt 
unfortunately have a great impact on the US team as well. Wishing you well, kind of sort of, with my fingers crossed. It's such a weird one. God, that was such a pragmatic way to end. How lovely. Thanks. We've gone international, we've gone global. We've also brought it back. We've done England. We've gone personal. We've gone very personal. We've shared our own sort of experiences, if you know, being broken, migraines. We've done team. WSL, Champions League. Yeah, we've, um, we've, I don't think there's much else that we haven't done, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, let us know. Let us know whether you think we've got it right, whether we've missed one. Do you know what I'm going to go and do now? I'm going to go and make myself a second Christmas dinner. I'm going to go to the fridge. I'm going to take out all the trimmings, whatever's left over from last night's dinner and I'm going to have another one. I just, I hope people are doing that right now. With a mince pie. Are you a bubble and squeak kind of gal? I don't know. What? No. You know what that is? Why yeah, are you no, like you don't know? because I don't ever refer to bubble and squeak when I'm talking about Christmas dinner. It's just, no. Oh, this is going to be like a cold plate of like the trimmings. Like the hams the, and things mm, like that. Yeah, stuffing. Yeah. We always do like a yellow Mostly buffet. Stuffing. So like my mum always gets like all like, you know, like, I don't know, cheesy jalapeno bites and like mozzarella <laughs> sticks and like nuggets because she knows that I'm a complete a beige place. I'm a five-year-old. But also at the same time, she makes bubbling. I don't know if anyone's had bubbling squeak and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. It's very divisive as a topic, but it's like, oh, what I can only describe as like, the bin, you know, like after after you've cleared off your Christmas plate and launched it into the bin, and then it's like someone has then taken that bin sack and put layered it in a greased oh tray and then oven baked it, and that is the only way to describe so it. So I thought I was finishing the episode on a lovely, like tasty little number, and you've just now made everyone feel sick. So well, happy my, Christmas, guys! I hope my mum doesn't listen to this episode because it's her absolute pride and joy. Um, but she needs to stop making it. We've told her every year, but. It is what it is. Tell us how you feel about bubbling squeaks. I'd be interested to know. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you're having a lovely, lovely Boxing Day with your feet up, chilling on the sofa, watching those Christmas films, eating the rest of those chocolates. Um, remember, you can find us on Instagram and X slash Twitter at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball and we are at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront pod. We'll see you. In 2024! That, for me, looks so tasty. I mean, they dispatched Spurs this weekend. And, like, that is... That's exciting. Do that again, because it wasn't this weekend. This is going to have the 26th. Oh, shit, sorry. Which is why I was like, cast your mind back to Arsenal-Chelsea. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. And then this weekend, obviously, on Monday, yesterday, the goalkeeper oh, shirt's going out on the 26th. Shit. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, let me do that again. I'm going to go and have a second Christmas dinner. Is anybody else doing that right now? You know, getting all, all the trimmings from yesterday's dinner and I'm, I'm making Even a new place. It's not Christmas. Uh, oh, oh, my God, <laughs> Chloe, you are actually... I was like, what the that fuck was, are you talking that about? That was such a nice roundup, like, and you ruined why, it. Why were you eating Christmas dinner on Monday? Why can I do it again? Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.